Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Ontario, Canada. This case has consumed my life for the past few weeks. I care about it deeply, and I'm floored that it's not being talked about more than it currently is, but hopefully we can change that. I want to note that choosing the tenses to use in this episode was tricky, and you will see why. When it comes to El Naz, I'm choosing to use the present tense. I also want to note that I've worked hard to get the pronunciations of names correct in this episode, but I do apologize if I get any of them wrong. And for the record, this will be a multi-part series because there is no way I am half-assing her story. As always, small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Thirty-seven-year-old Elnaz Hashtamiri is the kind of woman that gets documentaries made about her. She is endlessly selfless and undeniably beautiful in a way that can only be attributed to good genes and really good karma left over from previous lifetimes. Elnaz grew up in Iran, and from what I could find, she had a great childhood. She was extremely close to her family and managed to maintain those bonds even when they left Iran and moved around the world to places like Australia and Canada. Her sister told the Canadian press that Elnaz's personality comes down to the simple fact that she just wanted everyone to be happy. If you had a problem, she would make it her mission to solve it because life is too short to spend it stressing for a second longer than necessary. For Elnaz, life was a team effort and she was honored to be a part of yours. Elnaz went to college in Iran and graduated with a degree in international insurance. At 25, she married the man of her dreams, a veterinarian named Farnum Shapurafar, and the two traveled the world together. On Facebook, you can see photos of the couple in front of temples in China and what even looks like Christmas at Macy's in New York. Her new last name, Shapurafar, if she decided to take it, meant helpful, sentimental, and respectable. And you will come to learn that that couldn't have been more fitting. Elnaz and Farnham were living everyone's marital dream. They had that best friend kind of love, shared the same values, and their connection was undeniable. Unfortunately, around 2016 or 2017, their marriage came to a tragic end. According to a report by the Beach Booster, Farnham came down with a mysterious sudden illness that took over his body at an alarming rate. Doctors did everything they could to try and save him, but they couldn't. Within just a few days, his entire body shut down and he passed away, leaving Elnaz a widow. This podcast is sponsored by Embrace Pet Insurance. Hey guys, I think we can all agree that our pets are sometimes way cooler than the humans in our lives. Whether it's Mr. Winston, Princess Consuela Banana Hammock, Buddy, Trudy, or Maya, all of my pets have had moments where they've made my heart happy when the rest of the world just couldn't. Our next partner has truly made a positive impact on some of the truest loves of my life. And no, I'm not talking about my husband, although he's pretty cool too. I'm talking about my fur brigade. Let's be real, having a pet is expensive. From natural pet food to pet sitting when you go on vacation, the cost can skyrocket quickly. But one thing that's definitely worth it for your fur baby is pet insurance. I love my little paw squad and want to do everything I can to help them live a happy, full life. 
it's time to upgrade your pet insurance game. Whether you have a dog or a cat, Embrace Pet Insurance offers customized plans for your pet's exact needs. Did you know vet care prices have increased by 33% from 2022 to 2023? That's insane. With Embrace Pet Insurance, you can visit any vet or emergency clinic. And if you have multiple pets to insure, you're eligible for a 10% multi-pet discount. Plus, they have a 24-7 helpline and optional wellness rewards program to ensure you prioritize preventative care for your pet so you hopefully never even need to use Embrace in the first place. I know a lot of people might wonder if it's really worth it to have pet insurance, but I actually worked at a vet clinic when I was younger, and I can't tell you how many times I cringed at the cost of a vet bill, just hoping to everything that they had signed up for pet insurance. To echo that, I was reading Embrace Pet Insurance customer testimonials, and one wrote, Our dog came down with an illness and required a five-day hospital stay. The bill was significant to say the least. I had never had a claim before and was very certain that I would have difficulty with the process. I was wrong. The claims process was easy and payment was prompt and in agreement with the specifics of the insurance. We were very happy and also very relieved that part of this expense was covered and that our dog made a full recovery. Thank you, Embrace. Don't wait for the unexpected to happen. Join the massive community of pet owners who trust Embrace Pet Insurance to protect their pet. Head to EmbracePetInsurance.com slash BigMad and sign up for pet insurance today. Make sure you go to EmbracePetInsurance.com slash BigMad or else they won't know I sent you. With grief consuming her life, Elnaz threw all of her attention into work and philanthropy. With her and Farnham's combined life savings, she didn't go on a much-needed vacation to clear her head or even buy a new house to try and reset. No, Elnaz took all of their money and built a fourth-grade school for girls in an impoverished city in Iran. According to the UN Refugee Agency, some of the more conservative communities in the area don't believe that girls need to be educated past second or third grade. But Elnaz did. She was the definition of women supporting women and wanted to make sure that the girls had the option to attend at least one more grade before all of their opportunities for education were taken from them. The school was built in Farnham's name. Elnaz did her best to continue building her life in Iran, but it just wasn't the same anymore. She was lonely and she was sad, so she decided it was time for a change of pace. In 2018, she packed up her life and moved to Ontario, Canada, in an area where some of her relatives already lived. She might have been leaving home, but she was headed towards the comfort of family. She got a job in the import-export industry, but as hard as I looked, I could not figure out what the name of that company was. And trust me when I tell you that I looked hard, I looked through all of the employment documentation I could find and I could not find her at all. Nonetheless, it is a fact that she worked in the import-export industry in Canada. With a steady income, she managed to get a gorgeous condo in the Richmond Hill area. Elnaz was settling into her new life and newfound independence in a new country, but things weren't as peaceful as they appeared on the outside. If this case shows you anything, it will be that you never know what someone's going through and things are not always what they seem. 
On Wednesday, January 12th, 2022, Elnaz was spending the evening relaxing with two of her family members at a relative's house off of Trailwood Place in Wasaga Beach. The house was about an hour and a half southeast of her condo, and just to give you a little context about this neighborhood, the houses are big and beautiful and tend to sell at around $500,000 to $729,000 Canadian dollars. The particular house she was at was tucked away towards the back of a very dense neighborhood and was the last place police expected to be called for reports of an abduction. At 8.32 p.m., CP24 reports that police responded to the home on Trailwood Place for reports that 37-year-old El Naz had been abducted. But this wasn't just any abduction. The two remaining family members stated that she had been taken away by three black males who had broken into the home dressed like police officers, claiming to have a warrant for El Naz's arrest. One of the relatives who was at the home when it happened told Newmarket Today that the men wore police vests, dark jackets over top, badges around their necks, duty belts, handcuff pouches, and even a holstered gun. The outfits certainly seemed to match the purpose the three men said they were there for, but Elnaz wasn't into anything that would get her arrested. It was such an unlikely situation that it was easier to believe that the police officers were fake than to believe that Elnaz legitimately had a warrant out for her arrest. It became even easier to conclude the officers were fake when they couldn't explain why they were all wearing full face masks. The only thing you could see were their eyes, and one of them was sporting a pair of white sneakers. It will be a cold day in the depths of hell when white sneakers pass a uniform inspection at any police department. Unless the officer is undercover, but nothing about this situation screamed undercover operation. They literally identified themselves as police. A representative for Elnaz's family told the True North True Crime podcast that the situation escalated to the point that everyone in the house knew the officers had to be fake, which meant that whatever was really going on was now a life or death situation. Doing the only thing they could think to do, one of the family members ran out of the house screaming into a neighbor's house to call 911. As the family member ran, Newmarket Today reports that the three fake police officers grabbed Elnaz and dragged her barefoot and screaming through the snow towards a white 2016-2022 Lexus RX. Before they got her into the vehicle, the men threw her cell phone and watch into the snow behind her. This podcast is sponsored by MixHers. Hey guys, we're going to get a little personal here, but when has that ever stopped us before? Hormones can be a pain in the uterus. Every month, I struggle with some pretty insane bloating, cramping, and acne that my delicately painted face cannot hide. Don't tell the men we can shapeshift. Regardless of the effort my hormones have put in to try and take me down every month, this next sponsor has made a huge difference in my life. To put it simply, MixHers is a nutritional supplement that helps balance hormones. From your first period to your first hot flash, MixHers will be there with you every step of the way. For women searching for PMS relief, MixHers created Her Time. It's the most enjoyable, effective, long-term solution on the market because the ingredients nourish the root cause of hormone imbalance and eliminate the need for additional expensive PMS aids. 
MixHers started back in 2020 when their CEO, Jess Toulson, led an unfruitful search for postpartum period relief. After a ton of visits to the doctor and various medications, she met holistic health practitioner Cody Sanders, who created MixHers' first supplement to help balance hormones naturally. Today, the product is known as HerTime. I'm all about trying non-medicinal options before going down the medication route, and frankly, I love MixHers so much. It's just a small flavored powder packet that I add to my water, and it tastes like I'm drinking juice. My uterus and face have thanked me profusely. In addition to balancing hormones, MixHers has a dozen products to support women's wellness. From pre- and postnatal supplements to menopause support and more, MixHers has the ideal supplement for every woman on this earth. If you're not sure which MixHers drink is right for you, just take their quiz. They have made it so easy to ensure that you get matched with the products designed for your unique wellness goals. And maybe it's just the millennial in me, but I love a quiz. Oh, and did I mention that all MixHers products are produced with 100% natural ingredients? They don't use any artificial flavors, colors, or added preservatives, and all of their products are gluten-free. Join the thousands of women who have discovered feel-good freedom through balanced hormones. Head to MixHers.com BigMad and use promo code BigMad at checkout for an additional 10% off your order. MixHers rarely gives discounts, so 10% is the best offer you'll find. Remember to use my code, promo code BigMad, for an additional 10% off. This is where things get a little strange, as if it's possible for this to get any more terrifyingly bizarre than it already is. Elnaz had been screaming throughout the entire ordeal, but once she got inside the Lexus, the screaming stopped. And it was easy for her family members to take note of that, because according to the outlet, the Lexus didn't immediately peel out tires screeching. Instead, it waited for about a minute before it drove away with Elnaz inside. Thankfully, this neighborhood is lit up like a Christmas tree with home security cameras, so police were able to get a good look at the vehicle once they responded to the call. I was able to talk to a woman who lived just a couple of streets away when this happened, and she said that police showed up almost immediately. There's a station right near the neighborhood. Knowing that the proximity to the police station did not stop these men from dressing up in costumes and pretending to be police speaks to how brazen they are. That proximity also didn't stop them from waiting for what seems to have been a full minute with her in the vehicle before finally driving off. You have to wonder what they were doing in there, what was so important inside of that car that it took precedence over getting their abduction victim out of the area before police showed up. Unfortunately, regardless of her abductors taking their time, police were never able to catch up with them. A bolo, or a be on the lookout, was sent out to the public, asking them to keep an eye out for the Lexus. It even included still photos captured by neighborhood cameras as they were driving away, but no one ever spotted it. News eventually broke a couple of weeks later that the vehicle had been located, but it had been stolen at the time it was used by her abductors. What, if anything, they found in that car, let alone where they found it, has never been released. The woman I talked to, the one who lived a few streets away from where all of this happened, confirmed what's probably obvious at this point, that every single person in the immediate area was terrified. 
there were at least three people on the loose willing to barge into a home and forcibly abduct someone for whatever reason, and they had done it successfully. There was no sign of Elnaz anywhere, let alone any hint as to who might have done this and why. When something like this happens, it's hard not to think that if it could happen to her, it could happen to anyone. But when you look at the big picture here, this all seems extremely personal. There were three people in that house and only one of them was taken. And this isn't a house you just stumble across when you feel like abducting a random grown woman. The last sentence alone is ridiculous enough for me to not even have to try and explain my point any further. But to add to all of that, there had been no demand for anything. No ransom note, no phone calls, nothing. Whoever took Elnaz clearly wanted her alive, but for what reason? What did she have that was so important that three grown men were willing to cosplay knockoff cops just to get her alone? The police, her family, and the community all wanted to help, but they didn't really know how because no one could figure out why she had been abducted in the first place. Even though this was an obviously personal crime, police made a point to warn the public that whoever these abductors were, they were armed and dangerous. While they needed the public's help keeping their eyes peeled for El Naz, the white Lexus, and the vague description of the three masked men, they were adamant that no one approached them to instead keep their distance and call 911. They also let the community know that if you're ever curious as to whether or not a police officer is legitimate, to simply ask for their badge number and ID, that any real police officer will readily make that information available. That being said, I don't think these three fake cops were in the business of being questioned, nor do I think it would have gone very well if the questions were asked. Days passed with no sign of El Naz anywhere and still no demand for anything in return to get her back. Police assured the public that even though they couldn't speculate as to why El Naz had been abducted, they had an army of officers involved and the investigation was all hands on deck, full speed ahead to try and figure that out. I don't know if I've ever seen this before, but the police department themselves created their own hashtag for the investigation, Bring El Naz Home. They did it in an effort to try and organize all of the social media posts and comments being made about the case. The idea was that the hashtag would organize any tips that might not have been sent to the police department, and they could keep an eye on what was being said in the area. Fucking brilliant utilization of social media and the true crime community, so well done there. Elnaz's family also created the Facebook page Bring Elnaz Home, and I have to say that in covering as many cases as I have, I've scoured through countless Facebook groups and pages for missing and murdered persons. And let me tell you that this is one of the most actively updated pages I have ever seen. And somehow, it's also some of the lowest engagement I've ever seen. I went through more than a year of posts. I scrolled forever. And only every now and then did I see a share or a comment. I'm talking maybe 20 in total. While some cases seem to rake in the kind of viral energy a case can generate, this one never hit. For whatever reason, no matter how often that page is updated, very few people see it, very few people share it, and very few people interact with it. It is sitting at a whopping 660 whole followers. So everyone listening to this, if you get a minute in a break room today or you're boardwalking your dog, please go follow that page. Her case deserves to be shared across the world because as you'll come to learn, this case may very well involve anywhere else in the entire world. 
As word slowly spread about the very few available details in this case, albeit absolutely wild details, a lot of people started to question its legitimacy. It sounded so unreal that people actually wondered if it wasn't. They wondered why if Elnaz was this incredible woman who used her life savings to build schools for girls in Iran, why were there very dedicated criminals in Canada who were after her? Why of all people was she abducted? And why hadn't her abductors made any demands? They were all very valid questions, but questions that no one had the answers to. This was all a very real situation that made no logical sense. By January 20th, the media was getting antsy. While most outlets did a decent job of regurgitating what had already been shared by police, there were other outlets that were not shy about the fact that they wanted more. In fact, they were pretty open about the fact that they were going to have to speculate if police weren't going to give them anything else to report on, which is exactly what they did. It feels gross because it is. Eventually, one tiny bit of somewhat reliable second-hand information made its way to the Toronto Sun. They went through the comments of a local neighborhood Facebook group for the area near the abduction and noted that neighbors had allegedly told police about a bearded man in a white car who they said had been watching the home El Naz had been abducted from. And that was at least something. We know she was taken from a home in a white vehicle, and now we had reports of a bearded man who might have been watching her house in one. While some outlets were busy fanning the rumor mill, the Beach Booster was doing the good work and digging into El Naz's history. They used their spare time to fill the public in on how incredible of a human she was. They also gave her mom a chance to remove any doubt as to how loved her daughter is and to make the sweetest and most heartbreaking plea to her abductors. She told the outlet, El Naz dedicates much of her life to serving the needy and offering her support to her community. She lives a quiet, decent life surrounded by her friends and family. She added, I never imagined I would be pleading for my beautiful daughter Elnaz's life. Elnaz is a very kind-hearted woman, always extending a helping hand to the needy and being an honest and loyal friend. We beg whomever has taken her to be merciful to Elnaz. Please do not harm her and give her back to us. We are all in so much pain and agony, even thinking where she could be right now. She cannot handle the cold, so please give her blankets and keep her safe. If that didn't crack your heart right down the middle, I don't know what will. On January 27th, Simcoe reported on a major update that gave a massive amount of context to the events leading up to Elnaz's abduction. They reported that two weeks prior, on December 20th, Elnaz was in her vehicle parked in the underground parking garage of her condo when two men dragged her out and attacked her with a frying pan. You cannot make this shit up. If they made a movie about this case, people would complain that it wasn't realistic enough, but this was the reality that this angel of a woman was living in. The two men proceeded to beat Elnaz with that frying pan as she screamed for her life. Thankfully, someone happened to walk into the parking garage as it was happening and ran over to see what was going on. In that moment, her two attackers fled the garage, driving off in a black car. That black car was later found and it had been stolen. A representative of the family told the True North True Crime podcast something that I hadn't seen mentioned anywhere else. 
that Elnaz wasn't alone in her car that day, and when her attackers realized there was someone else in her vehicle, they tried to take the passenger out as well. That bystander wound up saving at least one life, but maybe two lives that day. Elnaz was taken to the hospital for the injuries the frying pan did to her head and was released after getting upwards of 40 stitches straight down the middle of her scalp and onto her forehead. At the time of her abduction, that wound was still very visible. One of the most shocking facts about the frying pan attack is that Elnaz's family was adamant that those two attackers were not any of her three abductors. That means that two groups, a total of five people, attacked or abducted Elnaz in the span of two weeks. To make things even more insane, Simcoe also reported that before the frying pan incident, when Elnaz took the vehicle she was leasing to get serviced, the service center found two tracking devices underneath the vehicle. To summarize, someone had been tracking her movements, two men brutally attacked her with kitchenware in a parking garage, and three men dressed up in costumes abducted her in front of her family, and there were witnesses to every event. Witnesses at the service center who found the tracking devices, the witness in her car during the frying pan incident, the witness who stopped the frying pan incident, and the two family members who could do nothing but watch as Elnaz was dragged away screaming from their home. According to CBC, the only reason Elnaz was at that home where she was abducted was because following the frying pan incident and learning about the tracking devices, police told her to find a safe place to stay while they took her car, computer, and phone to see if they could find any more tracking software on them. Elnaz had gotten her car, computer, and phone back just days before she was abducted. Her trip to get them back from law enforcement was reportedly the first time she had left that house since being attacked in the parking garage. I want to note here that it has been reported that police found a third tracking device on Elnaz's car, but it doesn't look like anyone can narrow down whether or not it was after police took her vehicle following the parking garage attack or if it was found after they seized her vehicle as part of the investigation into her abduction. Nevertheless, police did find a third tracking device on her vehicle at some point. Knowing police were very aware that someone was tracking Elnaz, a lawyer hired by the family voiced his concerns to CBC, wondering how thorough their search for tracking software really was. How did her abductors know where she was when she had been staying more than an hour away from her house? The lawyer noted that for someone who was clearly being targeted by at least one very bad person, there was a lack of police presence surrounding her. Knowing about the trackers, the parking garage attack, and the abduction, it's hard to believe they're not all related. Assuming they're not connected would almost be more absurd than anything. So let's dissect what we know. The parking garage attack was violent, bloody, and resulted in a very serious injury to Elnaz's head. Her abduction, however, was not as violent. In that instance, a ruse was devised to get her out of the house under the guise of having a fake warrant for her arrest. It seems as though the plan was to get her out of the house as easily and quiet as possible. Obviously, that did not go according to plan, but the abduction still was not as violent as her attack two weeks prior. Both incidents are equally horrifying, but have wildly different MOs. They were both targeting the same person, but seem to have intended a very different outcome. Judging by that alone, it might steer you towards thinking they're unrelated, 
Unless, of course, there's something bigger going on and there's an entirely different person or persons orchestrating all of the attacks. She had obviously been targeted, but two different teams carried out the attacks. Maybe the difference comes down to who the teams were comprised of. As hard as it's been to make sense of any of this, Elnaz's family has held out hope that she will be found alive. Her cousin told Simcoe, We believe Elnaz is still alive because we have no reason or evidence to believe otherwise. And they took her alive, and that's something that's very important that we want to kind of keep in mind. She pleaded with the abductors via Newmarket today, saying, Just please let her go. If you spent enough time with her, you would understand this is a wonderful, kind, warm, educated, charitable woman. Just please drop her off. No questions asked. We just want to see her come back alive. She doesn't deserve this. Neither does her family. I want to note here that her cousin has consistently requested to remain anonymous due to her own safety concerns. And frankly, why wouldn't she? In putting the pieces together, it looks like this cousin was likely one of the witnesses in the house when Elnaz was abducted. Meaning, whoever took her, those three men know where she lives and have been in her house. Unfortunately, you don't get to just move when three evil men playing dress-up barge into your house and abduct one of your family members. On February 10th, CBC reported that back on January 21st, unbeknownst to everyone, Elnaz's ex-boyfriend, Mohamed Lilo, had been arrested and charged with criminal harassment. The harassment in question had reportedly taken place against Elnaz in the weeks prior to her abduction. No one had even heard about any past relationships she had been in, so this was all sorts of new information. According to an interview a representative of the family did with the True North True Crime podcast, not a lot of people knew about that relationship, but the ones who did knew that it wasn't a great one. Their relationship lasted less than a year, and family recalled a change in Elnaz's demeanor. She wasn't as happy as she normally was. The two broke up in October, three months prior to her abduction. Just one month later, on November 19th, Elnaz was calling the police on him. CBC reports that the call followed an incident where Lilo showed up at her apartment. And while the details of what exactly happened to make the situation escalate to a police matter haven't been shared with the public, we do know that she was scared enough to call and Lilo was told to stay away. Lilo was not arrested for anything in connection to either the parking garage attack nor her abduction, but it was definitely suspicious and all eyebrows were raised. A day after the Lilo news broke, police released two very clear photos to the public. They were of the two suspects in the December parking garage attack, and police needed the public's help to identify them. The photos showed two men with dark hair, both of which were wearing surgical masks, the kind that everyone wore during COVID. One of the men was pictured sitting in the passenger seat of a black vehicle, craning his neck to look back. Police estimated that he was between 25 and 30 years old and around 5 foot 10. The second man was pictured standing in front of a door wearing dark pants, a puffy camo coat, and was ominously wearing blue surgical gloves. 
Police estimated that he was also between 25 and 30 years old, but this one was a little taller, probably around six foot two. It's easier for police to estimate height when they have identifiable markers like the door which was pictured behind him. If police could bring even one of them into custody, there was a good chance they could get information as to why she was attacked in the first place, if someone else might have orchestrated the entire thing, and what they may or may not know about the abduction that followed. It took more than a month, but on April 13th, an arrest was finally made. It was a 23-year-old man named Ryasat Singh, and he was charged with attempted murder, attempted kidnapping, possession of property obtained by crime over $5,000, and mischief under $5,000. His charges stemmed from the parking garage attack, he was one of the two men in the photos, and it's hard not to notice that one of his charges included attempted kidnapping. We know they attacked her with a frying pan, but this almost seems to indicate that maybe they planned on taking her away from that parking garage. As expected, with one suspect in custody, police were able to identify who the second man was, a 23-year-old man named Harshdeep Binner who was wanted on the same charges. Harshdeep was taken into custody by September. Trying to figure out what these two men could have possibly wanted from El Naz, let alone why they would have attacked her, I did a deep dive into who they were. What I found led me down a rabbit hole that I did not see coming. I found several different articles about an arrest back in March, which included both Ryasat and Harshdeep, and also a third man named Michael. They had all been arrested as the result of a massive investigation into more than 40 F-150s that had been stolen in the area over the previous months. According to Fort Sask Online, 18 had been stolen between February 18th and 20th alone. Only seven of them had been recovered and digging a little deeper, it looks like that might be because oftentimes the trucks and other stolen vehicles in Canada were being stolen and quickly exported to countries in the Middle East and Africa for profit. Most of the trucks that had been stolen were made between 2017 and 2020. Those years were most at risk due to some security features and the fact that they had a push-to-start option. According to reports by the Global News, criminals were using sophisticated technology to hack the electric key fobs associated with the trucks in order to trick the vehicle into thinking the fob was nearby. If done correctly, the criminals could just hit push-to-start and drive their newly stolen vehicle away with the owner being none the wiser. I dug a little deeper into what kind of sophisticated technology these criminals might be using and how it's done, and Leeson.com came through. According to them, you need at least two people to do the job. One thief who stands by the vehicle with device number one, and a second thief who stands close to the house with device number two. The thief standing close to the house is guessing as to where the homeowner might keep their keys, like by the front door. When they get within 10 to 15 feet of the fob, the device the thief is holding communicates with the device being held by the thief near the vehicle. The device by the vehicle tricks it into thinking that the fob is right there and gives the criminals access to open the doors, start the vehicle, and drive it away. Let it be noted that my keys will forever be in the dead center of my house until the end of time. Both men who attacked El Naz in that parking garage were somehow involved in this very organized crime involving the stolen F-150s. But the third man arrested, Michael, stood out like a sore thumb. He had not been implicated in the garage attack, and looking into his background, he didn't seem to share any kind of lifestyle similarities to neither Ryasat or Harshdeep. 
Michael appears to be extremely intelligent and successful in business with no previous criminal record that I could find. Whereas if I'm looking at the correct Facebook account, Ryasat is kind of a weirdo who seems to be very into himself without having many astounding accomplishments to speak of. As for Harsh Deep, it took a little more work, but I found some disciplinary records from a college in Canada, and if it's him they're referencing, and the timeline would add up, seeing as the report was issued in 2019, someone with his exact name was given 40 demerit points following an investigation into a student election. 20 of those demerit points were given for harassing or displaying aggressive, violent, or threatening behavior. All of this to say, if this is the same harsh deep, there was a history of harassing, aggressive, violent, or threatening behavior. And if we want to bring the whole stolen truck thing full circle, in order for the entire enterprise to work, the trucks have to successfully be exported overseas. And even though I couldn't figure out where exactly Elnaz worked after she moved to Canada, we know for a fact that it was in the import-export industry. And wouldn't you know, CBC reports that Elnaz and her ex-boyfriend Lilo weren't just exes, they were also former business partners. The only business we know that Elnaz worked in after moving to Canada would be that import-export business, the kind of business this enterprise might need to be associated with when it comes to using cargo containers to ship stolen vehicles overseas. CBC reported on a law enforcement operation that took place this year in 2023 at the Port of Montreal. There, police seized 53 stolen pickup trucks and sports utility vehicles. In the last year alone, they have recovered 252 vehicles. 76% of them had been stolen from Ontario. Ontario is massive, but I would be remiss if I did not remind you that that is where Elnaz was abducted from. And every vehicle used to perpetrate a crime against her, the black car in the parking garage, and the white Lexus used in her abduction had been stolen. To further tie a little bow around all of this, Elnaz abruptly quit her job three months before she was abducted, which coincides with exactly when she and Lilo broke up. Initial reports stated that she quit her job to pursue her dream of becoming a cake baker, but knowing what we know now, it's hard not to wonder if that was the only reason she left. Did she know something she shouldn't have? Was she a loose end, a witness that someone couldn't control? Had someone hired the dumbest of goons to try and eliminate her, criminals wielding frying pans and Halloween costumes? If that's the case and we are headed down the right track, why did they abduct her? Usually when we see a crime for hire, it's murder for hire and it's not this messy. If they were trying to eliminate a witness, why did they create several more witnesses in the process? At this point, the information coming in about the investigation into El Naz is even wilder than what we had to begin with proving that anything is possible. And it only got worse. Shortly after the world learned about Ryasat and Harsh Deep, we learned that El Naz had been being watched not via a tracking device, but by an entire human. And that human wasn't any of the men who had been arrested. Who it was and the story told to get him there will have to wait until next week. For photos pertaining to this case, check out Elnaz's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. To get access to ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmattruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. 
If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. Okay, guys, we are officially at the end of this episode, which means it is time to share a review that made my entire day. This one is from Diana1SBQ and says, at first, Heather came across too angry for me, but I listened anyway. I realize now that's what has kept me hooked on her. She truly cares. Sometimes that makes her angry, but we should be angry. I love how she first finds a way to fall in love with the victims and then helps us too. I also love her wry sense of humor. I'm not listening to as many true crime podcasts anymore, down to two or three from 12 plus, but I always listen to hers. She's a keeper. Ma'am, the keeper here is you, Diana, one SBQ. And I might've said Diana in the first time I read your username. I apologize. It's Diana, one SBQ. You're my favorite person today. You're the best. Thanks for taking the time to do something nice for me. It means the world. I hope you know how much I appreciate you. This podcast would be nothing without every one of you. And thanks for opening your heart to these victims. I love you so much. Okay.